Welcome to Dino Nugget Daycare, where we eat dino nuggets and we talk about academic things that we, we learned at school. I'm Tori Moronis, and I read Blink. I'm Michaela McComas. I read Into the Wild. I'm Joaquin, and I read Tribe. I'm Freddie the Pit, and I read Tribe. And this week's topic is what factors influence the development of collective and individual identity? Um, I read the book uh, Blink, and it was about this psychologist, and it's just a bunch of psychological things that you see in people, and that when you look at someone, you see your quick thinking takes over and goes, oh, that person is this, or that person is that, and you don't have emotional or just logical thinking behind your quick thinking. Um, there was a guy who could listen to a couple's conversation, and it could be a normal conversation, no fighting, it could just be them talking about random things like for instance this couple was talking about this dog and this guy could um determine if the relationship with this couple would end in 15 years and he would have a 90 percent accuracy for this um theory and it would determine on how long he would listen and sit and listen to these this couple just talk about a dog or a food they ate and um, there's another thing where you could tell um, something about someone who lives in a dorm by just walking into their dorm room and just seeing how they set up things or how messy it is or how clean it is. And I thought this was really interesting because it really shows like somewhat of our think, our quick thinking and our uh, logical thinking just kind of like intertwine with each other. Um, another thing is that it's really hard to like divide your logical thinking and your uh, quick thinking from one another because when you are quick thinking, you're just looking at something. So your brain automatically just goes into like, oh, okay, that's what it is. I need to memorize that now. And your logical thinking is like, wait, wait, I don't understand what it means. So that's what I learned from the book Blink. Hi, I'm Michaela McComas, and I read Into the Wild. Into the Wild is basically this story of Christopher McCandless and his journey leaving home, leaving everything behind to just be in the wild, be by himself, experience new people, new things, and basically living on low money, low food, low um, resources, and... It's really cool just, like, seeing, like, a person knowing nothing, knowing nothing about, like, traveling and them doing it on their own. But sadly, um, he passed in a bus, and uh, these hunters found him, and he even left, like, an SOS note saying, like, help. And, like, it was super sad, and... He also, through this journey, he meets new people and meets um, new things and gets to experience these people and gets close with them and gets too close with them and leaves them high and dry and saying that he has to do 
like go on this journey and they get really sad and when they find out he dies it's just super sad but what's cool about this story is that Chris didn't care about like what anybody else like thought of him and he was like individual identity all the way through and just stuck with that and wanted to be himself and didn't want to follow in his parents footsteps and have his parents control his life because they wanted to buy him into law school and buy him a new car and he just wanted to keep his car and drive and get away from how society works and how that we all have a set plan and it's the same plan get a job get have a family and begin your life and he just didn't agree with those rules and he went against the government and um it's a really cool story to see like his journey through it all and the struggles and so yeah super cool Okay, so I'm Joaquin, and I am going to be talking about Tribe with my co-expert, Freddie, here. So Tribe um, basically explores or talks about different societies and cultures and how, like, their differences and, like, um, their material uh, beliefs or values, their um, beliefs, their collective identity is kind of like their own individual identity. And so it just kind of explores other, like, I don't know, American Indians, other cultures, and such. In the introduction of this book, talks about how a man was trying to go across the country hitchhiking, and uh, he was trying to get to California. Um, he only had um, one week uh, worth of food. Um, he was laying on the street waiting for cars to uh, give him a ride, and he noticed a man walking up to him um, covered in cool um he thought that the guy was gonna rob him for his food um by the by what he looks like uh once the man comes up to him and talks to him uh he talks about how he covers people's shift um who don't show up to work and work for the mine to earn money uh the man works in an abandoned uh the man lives in an abandoned um car um and basically asked him um, where he was trying to head to. And he told him that he was trying to head to uh, to California. Um, asked him what kind of, um, how much food did he bring? And uh, he, his response was, uh, I only brought cheese with me. He's like, uh, the guy, um, the guy said, you're not gonna get, you're not gonna go to California just by time cheese. So the guy gives up his lunch. Um, Cause that morning um, he would go to the church and collect lunch um, so he could work at the mines. And so he felt like he didn't need the, the lunch, so he gave it to he gave it to him. Okay, so after the introduction, um, he talk, goes ahead and talks about American Indian culture and how they were they grew up like very connected. Like they are all part of the same family, same tribe, so to speak. So um, they grew up all social and um, it studies have shown that suicide rates there are very low compared to like our modern European um, American culture where um, independence is a big factor and it's very stressed throughout every single um, daily aspect of your life. And compared to that, our suicide rates are like technically higher. So 
um, maybe that's just a message he was trying to stress. Like maybe independence isn't always the way to go. And a little bit after that, he also talks about how um, him growing up, his grandpa went to, or yeah, he we went. He served in a war, and he was very. He thought he would be very against it. So once he had to go sign up, or it's called uh, give his draft into the government or something, um, he didn't exactly want to go. And he thought his grandpa would agree with him, but he said that he should. He might have to give up his own life for his country because that's what it deserves. And yeah, basically it. Hi, I'm Francesca, and I read What Made Maddie Run by Kate Fagan, and um, this story is about a girl named Maddie, and she's a very relatable character for us teenagers. Um, she, I think it starts off with her in high school, and a lot of the talk with her friends is about what college she's going to be going to, and she is a very good soccer player and um, also does track, but... She also struggles with anxiety and depression, which is a lot of what the book touches on. And the author, Kate, also comes into the book and gives her two cents on what's happening and interviews on current Ivy League athletes. So throughout the book, we follow Maddie going into college and making the decision of what school she chooses because she's so good. She has so many different offers, whether she wants to go to an Ivy League for track or um, maybe not a, as good of a school for soccer. And she ends up choosing the Ivy League for track. And we just get to see her struggles and the pressure put on an athlete and how college athletes deal with these emotions. Um, and Throughout the story, we see her battle of true self and false self, which we studied during The Crucible, which is really interesting to see during this book. Um, we see Maddie struggle with what she puts out on her social media platforms like Instagram. We actually see posts of her Instagram throughout the book. And then the false self, which we, um, I mean, that was her false self, not her true self. And then we get to read about her true self and what's actually going on in her mind, which I find is very interesting. Um, what they also dive into in this book is the pressure to be perfect as a college athlete. And I think that's something we can relate to, even if it's not about sports, but just feeling a certain pressure, um, to reach a certain standard that maybe we've set for ourselves, or coaches have set for ourselves. And then we also get to see, um, her development of collective and individual identity. So now we're going to talk about our question of the week, which is what factors influence the development of collective and individual identity? Yes, why not? Yeah. So we did a lot of research and we watched documentaries and a TED Talk and somebody else's podcast on this topic. And I thought the documentary was really interesting. And it was about um, these two guys, Chris and Zach, who go to Guatemala and basically live on a dollar a day, um, which is really cool, like living in their style. And it was just like, it was cool to see like people like 
are not fighting to be perfect, but they're like fighting to live I and think survive. That, that's a big thing for especially high schoolers because all of us really want to just be that perfect person that everyone like admires and like so you can just fit in. Mm-hmm. Right, and it was just really weird to see like how every single family there seemed to be relatively happy despite their circumstances. Like they're yeah. barely living off of like a dollar, legit a dollar, and just like all smiling, like still hoping, yeah. being optimistic. Still have hope, yeah. Yeah, yeah and that also like relates to the um, the article we read because it talked about how like your perspective plays a mm-hmm. big role in like how your life plays out. Like you have the power to determine if you're like happy about things. Yeah. And I think that showed a lot in the documentary. Like sure they didn't have as much money as like we do here. Mm-hmm. Like we're so blessed and I feel like we don't realize that a lot. And they were still happy and they just looked at the bright side. Yeah. I feel like going off what you said, yeah, we do take a lot of things for granted because we we are blessed with so many things that we get. We get school, we get money, we have food, we have houses. Um and not a lot of people have that and we do honestly take that for granted a lot. Yeah, they don't really, like, care about what people think of them, and they're just trying to survive and, like, stay together and be as positive as they can be with just the little resources they have. I felt like the documentary, A Dollar a Day, really kind of related to my book, The uh, Tribe, because um, the author, Sebastian Younger, started talking about how um, tribes, like American, American Indian tribes, how they grew up pretty closely, closely grew up close together and how they they were still pretty happy even though they didn't have all the commodities that we do in our mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. And it kind of relates to this documentary, how they don't have the commodities we have. Like, they barely get food and like, food for their children mm-hmm. and such, but they're still happy. Yeah, which is good. Do you have something to put in? Um, here, uh, the story from uh, Living on the Dollar of the Day, uh, the character Anthony, how um, he was he doesn't have that much um, like stuff and resources, but he's like willing to give um, people like shelter food yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah he was trying to help everyone else except himself which because he was himself. the only one that had like an actual job yeah yeah so and, yeah answering that question though off of that documentary what factors influence the development of collective and individual identity i said like where you live mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then also your outlook and perspective which I think yeah. a lot of people don't uh, yeah i like the environment definitely did, did play a big factor in how like people act and behave yeah. yeah i feel like that's how most blacked on a daily basis is just using their collective identity yeah right because right. they don't want people to see their like it's, true, it's like going back to true self false self like you want everyone to see that perfect vision of you and not the thing that's inside you Right, because like in Thomas Curran's <laughs> TED talk, like he kept bringing up perfection. Now it's his fault and like everyone's fault because yeah. if he feels like every single aspect of society now has yeah. to be with perfection, now yeah. if people just forgot about it for like a second, like I don't know, he'd be happier. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Everything doesn't have to be perfect. But I think our society like tells us that like it's yeah. more or it's less of um, ourselves like. It is a lot of ourselves, like, saying we have to be perfect, but it's mm-hmm. also, like, society putting that stuff yeah. on us. It's, like, influencing us to it's be It's because yeah. they show them all over, like, with models and, like, movie stars. Yeah. They're always, like, oh, they're perfect. You need to be like that. Yeah. Like, they set the example, so that's how we're, like, supposed to yeah. be. Good quote that I got from that was, like, we are subject to self-defeat to reach the peak of perfection once again. So basically what he's trying to say is that once you reach the perfection, 
you so desired like you're not you're not perfect again it can always go be better and you just kind of like never get the satisfaction of being perfect because you're never going to be perfect mm-hmm. i feel like perf- perfectionism causes depression and anxiety and maybe even like suicide yeah. but like it's just insane how that's how like our brains work and that's how we like think and we keep thinking mm-hmm. about is just being perfect and having others accept you and not mm-hmm. you yourself but your false self yeah yeah um in my book blank uh they talk about you know your logical thinking and then your quick thinking and that's how a lot of rumors start around like schools and like workplaces is because when you see someone you're like quick thinking clicks up and be like oh okay they're that kind of person just by how they look or how they walk mm-hmm. and that's how a lot of people start getting self-conscious or like going on to you like got depression or um or like have suicidal thoughts is because people don't like get to know you like your true self not your false yeah. self and that's why i like the podcast you listen to by ian Cran, yeah because he basically just said that it's like okay to not be what everyone else expects yeah. of you it's okay to be vulnerable like it's not all mm-hmm. about just holding up to everyone else's standards but you should just be yourself mm-hmm. yeah in my book into the wild chris basically just didn't want to live that perfect life didn't want to follow society into working mm-hmm. and a family and he wanted to just get away and be himself and experience and travel and just get away from everything mm-hmm. he knew people and he was his individual self the whole time and didn't want to follow on his parents footsteps to law school mm-hmm. or like a fancy car because that's how they wanted people to see him mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's cool in the article it talks about like bridging the gap between your subconscious and your conscious awareness but i think like replacing that with bridging the gap between your false self and true self would bring you more self-awareness yeah and that's when things like start coming into play because you're losing that gap of loneliness in between like your true self and false self mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah my next question i feel like there's way more factors than just your environment because that's what I was thinking of going yeah. into this yeah. topic. But I feel like also your own desires can very much affect how oh, your yeah. collective identity and individual identity differ yeah, definitely. or yeah. are similar. And even mm-hmm. the article and the podcast about the Enneagram both talked about how your childhood influences your development. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like um, a lot of it is like your thoughts and ideas and images that you gained as a child rather than like right now. Which yeah, I really interesting. Yeah, we were all like influenced at a young age. Ab- yeah, about like perfectionism, like you can't make yeah. a mistake, like like some like, things you can't just get out of your head because yeah. that's all you've been told since you were little. Yeah, you, you definitely, it's definitely like definitely set from when you were a child till yes, now, I think and it's a factor. Yeah, and it's just like imprinted, like it just stays with you forever. And it's mm-hmm. really hard to get rid of. I feel like because considering everyone else keep striving to be like, this perfect independent like high salary high wage person yeah. good job good yeah but i mean what if that's just not it like what if it's not realistic high salary isn't yeah. perfection what if it's just leading you to like yeah part of the way from happiness like false and happiness and yeah. like there is a difference between like happiness and joy you know like happiness temporary joy is yeah forever. so mm-hmm. yeah. i'm thinking about that too what did you guys think about, like, the podcast of the Enneagram? I thought it was so interesting. I loved the Enneagram. So I was so excited. When I haven't taken it yet. I really want to. 
Um, <laughs> I haven't had the chance. I just keep forgetting. But um, I love, I just love the theories, like how yeah. it can kind of tell. It kind of goes off to what my book was talking about with the couple and like how the guy could like legit, like a 99, like nine, not 99, 90% accuracy, like see if they would like break up in 15 years mm-hmm. or like get divorced in 15 years. And I thought that was so interesting. And with the podcast, just how you can like tell like what you are. I think it's really cool to take that test. And like, I'm a type seven. Um, which is like the adventure or whatever. And so like nice. when they talked about that and like diving deeper into that, I love that. Like I read a book about it and stuff and I just think it's so cool. That's and awesome. so like spot on. And I think that like it can change, but like for the most part, like diving yeah. deep into like discovering yourself and that yeah. stuff. It kind of really reminds cool. me of the Zodiac, even though a lot of people don't yeah. believe what they, like their Zodiacs actually mean. Like I'm a Leo and it's very close to like what I am. Yeah. I mean, you did take a test for this. So that's yeah. why I believe in it a little yeah. more. Rather than like, oh, the stars. <laughs> yeah. But like, you do you. Yeah. <laughs> a quote that I took from that podcast was, if you want to experience um, enduring transformation, you have to discover your false story, decouple yeah. yourself from it, and begin to live the truth of your new story, which I thought was like so cool. And it was just like, <laughs> it, was, it was just like really cool to like take in and like think about for a minute yeah they put like an emphasis on staying rooted in your true story it's like staying um rooted in like your true self basically and kind of i feel like they without saying it like implied mm-hmm. that your false self is like super dangerous if you like yeah. start living out more of your false self you'd be, than your you'd be living a fake yeah like reality yeah i think that's this true message in like the whole podcast how because he started off with the problem how um what if like you're the story you're supposed to believe in like you're you're this you're supposed to be like this what if it's not your reality it's kind of answers it that way how mm-hmm. there are different types of people you know how exactly have to be that in order to be i don't know happy i guess yeah mm-hmm. no i get you um From the TED Talk, I I thought it was really interesting how just, like, you could – this is just me, but you could see, like, the pain in his eyes from everything that, like, he was talking about and, like, how our society is not perfect um, and people need to, like, stop trying to be that perfect person because that's not real. You are yourself and sometimes you're not perfect and you really can't be perfect. You described perfectionism as being one of his own faults. Yeah. Freddie, do you have anything to add? Get in there, Freddie. (laughs) Anything related to your book? He basically covered it because we're doing the same Fun stuff. (laughs) Um, Do you guys feel like. like you catch yourself sometimes in the false self, like true yeah, self thing. Yeah, definitely. Because mm-hmm. I feel like we talk about it a lot, but maybe some people don't feel like that. Yeah. Some maybe they're like, "Oh, like I'm authentic, I'm totally true." Of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which it's sometimes isn't wondering. true, and people just say that to please people. Yeah, like I'm definitely a people pleaser. Like, oh yeah, not yeah. I don't like being the center of attention. I get really bad oh, anxiety yeah. and stuff. <laughs> but I love when people are like, "Oh my god, that was so amazing!" Like, thank you oh, so much for doing that. And I'm like, "Oh, that. thank you." Thank um, you. No big deal. And like, definitely, I wouldn't say that's like my like really like bad false self, but it's definitely one of my false selves yeah. because I don't 
I have really bad like social anxiety and I don't like talking to people very often mm-hmm. unless I know them. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I know for like my fault self is definitely like being perfect. I try to like, I don't know, be the, for example a nice guy, be polite. But in reality, like if you actually get to know me, I don't I could not care less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <completely> definitely. <laughs> um, and then I think like connecting this to my book, What Made Maddie Run, it like brought up a lot of questions for me because um it made me wonder like if Maddie made the decision like we talked about earlier to bridge the gap between her um like false self and true self Mm -hmm. or subconscious and conscious um like would she gain a sense of self-awareness that could help relieve some of her anxiety Mm -hmm. and depression you know because I think a lot of like teens anxiety and depression comes from like a loss of like control Mm -hmm. or um just not knowing who you are like right now I think one question Go ahead. <laughs> when uh, I think one question I want to ask all of you, just to like relate to your books, do you see anywhere in your book where think uh, quick thinking or logical thinking is like being taken place? No. My book just talks about how you're an American Indian and want to be depressed. <laughs> we Maybe love we should that. all become American Indians and oh. test it out for yeah. a week. <laughs> so anyone have like their books like have I mean, quick thinking think or just logical thinking like mine just just escapes and doesn't want to be a part of mm-hmm. society and how it works and like which is like kind of like cool in a way because you just you get to do your own thing like okay. you get to choose your future and that's what Chris chose mm-hmm. and like his, pa- his parents didn't choose for him. Like, that was his decision, and I yeah. think he was proud of it. But it was also, like, really difficult. But it was, his, like, his own challenge, his own journey to this life. And so. I'm sorry. Going back to Fran and her topic of teens and social media, I feel like the perfectionism plays back or plays a huge yeah. role back in that again. Because, like, when Definitely. you look at social media, you just see everyone yeah. kind of happy and smiling. It's like a highlight reel. Right. And yeah. it's just like... <laughs> I feel like teens were like, especially me, I feel like I my life should also be that way, but it's, it's always it's won't not, be. Yeah. yeah, it always won't be. Just seeing that perfect life just like there in front of your face while you're like scrolling through Instagram. Like, why do people like feel the need to do that, you know? I think like, it's... I, like, I do it. Like, to we it. all do it. All like, do but like, yeah. why... Like why do you I don't... Do I think it's... <laughs> again, going back to like what I was saying, I'm a people pleaser. I think it is definitely like, oh, like they look so happy like sitting there like with their friends and I should do that with my friends and it's just like I think it's something that clicks in our brain it's just like quick thinking quick thinking yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. like they're For so happy me, like it's just something like fun to do you know yeah. like ooh, take pictures like post them like it's just something like fun to do yeah as like, a girl like guys have video games and stuff like girls like video games get to yeah. edit and post pictures on Instagram like, I'm the opposite yeah. Yeah. that is so crazy <laughs> I'm more of a guy um, <laughs> I am the video game I will legit Dude, post honestly, like pictures honestly video games are probably fun but I posted a picture of like something on Minecraft right? On my don't have a PS4. <laughs> okay. I am the sleep kind of guy. I get home and I just sleep. Wait, we love that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So to sum up, basically, like the answer to the question, I think it's like more of like how like what our influences are is from our parents and yeah. from what we have seen and experienced and that, yeah. like 
changes our collective or what yeah. we want people to see versus like how we see ourselves. I think yeah. it, it really does take a long time for your in individual identity to develop. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Okie dokie. Um, thank you for listening to uh, Dino Nugget Daycare. Uh, I hope you come back next time to listen to our next topic. <laughs>